And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Uh, and I will uh, tell you all about how you can hear us and where and when and the who's, the what's, the how's, the where's, the why's later. Because uh, we're going to get right into our program with our very special guest. Her name is Janice Harper. And I will just say right now, Janice, thank you, sir, for joining us all the way from Canada. It's great to have you with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Richard. It's an honor to, to be here virtually in every way. <laughs> yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> One of the reasons why uh, I have you here on the program today was is, of course, uh, in regards to a book that you have written, uh, as well as um, many other things that you were involved in, is because of the concept. Uh, the book entitled uh, Jonas and the Mountain. It is a metaphysical love story. Now, I consider myself to be a metaphysician, um, and I know that it is possible to interpolate, to extrapolate, to interpret or uh, view things from many, many different perspectives. And I know, too, that um, one of the things that is so interesting, of course, when you start talking about, for example, the ancient wisdom teachings, depending upon which philosophy you're coming from, uh determine you're not 100% certain exactly how to interpret them. I was listening, for example, to a description of the Quran. Uh, not anything specific, but in general, how you can't just pick it up and read it and take it at face value because mm-hmm. uh, allegory and metaphor, literal and uh, spiritual and or metaphysical are interwoven throughout and so you have to, you would probably have to have, uh, I don't know if uh, they have the same equivalent, equivalency as a Bible of um, commentaries. Uh, and there are, everybody's got commentaries on the Bible. I don't know if they make those for the Quran or, or the other ancient wisdom teachings. But you have a book that you wrote from that perspective. First of all, tell us uh, how and or why uh, you wrote a metaphysical love story. What's what? What is the impetus behind that concept yeah. for you? Yeah, yeah. Can I hold my book up? Absolutely, and of course, people will be able to see it because we will we will have it showing throughout yeah. the interview as well. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. So this is a novel, Richard. It, mm-hmm. It's for, first and foremost a novel, and it's called a metaphysical love story because it is a love story, a, a love of various kinds. Um, and the metaphysical part has to do with the kinds of teachings. There's different strands interwoven in this novel. It's not just a straight, juicy, plot and character kind of novel. It's a novel where um, the protagonist, Jonas, meets a non-dualist guru in India. So there is that. That is what you would call an, an ancient wisdom teaching because it, it comes, it's Advaita Vedanta um, from Hinduism. And then at the same time, or a little later, after being on retreat with this non-dualist guru for um, a few weeks, the protagonist meets someone else. And this is someone who has a whole different kind of wisdom. Um, and it's, it can be described as metaphysical um, 
so she she acquired these teachings um spontaneously when she was young and she just she just has a source of knowledge um and these kinds of teachings fall into the metaphysical camp because they can be um seen as aligned with with other metaphysical teachings like Seth, um channeled by Jane Roberts um and perhaps Bashar and Abraham, someone who recently wrote a review on Amazon of my novel said, if you like Seth and Abraham, read this book. <laughs> mm. So that's where that comes from. There's, there's several, um, several kinds of teachings and strands, and I kind of put it all together under metaphysical because there is that spiritual component um, with the Advaita Vedanta, the non-dualist Eastern philosophy. Um, which comes from Hinduism and it's related to Buddhism. Um, and then there's the whole metaphysical aspect as well that comes from this other, um, this other source. And if I can go on a little bit yes, more please, um, please. regarding, regarding <laughs> it's an interview, I guess I should. <laughs> um, regarding the emphasis for the book, it's, it's a personal one for me because ever since I was a teenager, I was, um, yeah, how how to describe this? I was drawn to um, what well, I was spiritual. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I was born that way, and so as a teenager, I did things. When I was fourteen, I was chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, and and I was a Nichiren and Shoshu Buddhist, and I devoted a couple of hours every day to chanting in front of my my shrine, my Buddhadon. And then from there, I started exploring other Eastern philosophies. And then suddenly, um, when I was 17, I encountered the Seth material, um, one of the various books. And that, um, I, I felt I knew everything very intimately that Seth was, was describing and teaching mm -hmm. um, through Jane Roberts. So from then, I had this, this sort of this dual... Um, this concern, where do these two meet? Um, the metaphysical world, and uh, there's so much there. I mean, that's, this is where angelic guides come in and, and between lives and, and um, channeling and, you know, the multitude of other um, um, ideologies and, and teachings that can be um, seen mm -hmm. under that, that rubric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then there is the Eastern philosophy and traditions where people when they're going for enlightenment and that's that's the be all and end all mm. so the impetus for writing this book was can these two meet um this the sitting so in terms of the the guru that jonas meets and I, these are the book is quite autobiographical um all of this is personal to me i did spend a lot of time in india with a guru um and there you sit in silence and meditation and empty the mind. Um, and, 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 and that is how you open into, into, um, the, the, the one, the mm -hmm. oneness. Um, and how does that, how does that, and you create your reality and, and, um, all that other stuff. How, how, where do they meet? Can they meet? So I gave Jonas the job of figuring it all out. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is interesting is, as you describe it, a love story, a metaphysical love story, mm. uh, and that, uh, you know, we could really use uh, those kinds of stories right now, uh, especially considering the fact that, you know, we're, 
We're going through uh, what some would consider to be rather tumultuous times right now in terms of trying to figure out, you know, what it is that we're here to do, you know. And um, I know that one of the great things in all of this is the fact that, and this phrase has been, maybe it's been overused, I don't, maybe not, but the phrase is when it comes to the various topics that come to the table. At least we're having a conversation about it now. Whatever the subject matter is, you can talk about the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, uh, LGBTQ, uh, and the list goes on and on. Uh, I, I don't even talk, and I will tell you there's one subject, I don't talk about it from this context, and that's climate change. I do not talk about it from the context of climate change. I talk about it from the context don't you think we should just clean up our home? I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, uh, tell me, at least, at least once a week, you have to go through your apartment, your flat, whatever, wherever it is that you live, mm. and you clean. You dust, and maybe you sweep and or mop, and you vacuum the rugs, and you do the dishes, and you take care of the laundry, and you might change the bedding and all. Mm. Well, why? Why are you doing this? Well, because I like to have a clean home. Well, then why can't you feel the same way about the planet on which we live and do your mm. part? So when, we get, when I get in conversations with people, I say, no, don't even talk to me about that. I don't care whether you believe or disbelieve in the science, and I don't care about the science. Irrelevant. We need mm. to clean up our home. It's that simple. Mm. It's that simple. Change yeah. the message to clean up our home. Yeah, so you've, yeah, you've you've personalized what can be abstract or seen as mm -hmm. external or out there um, when you say that. Yeah, and, and, and I, that's, that's, I, yeah, go ahead. No, go on. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going to say that's that's part of what I do in my book as well. Is is I is I take these philosophies um, and these ideas and I I make I make them personal and mm -hmm. they come alive in the characters lives um and um yeah it, it brings it brings it home rather mm -hmm. than discussing it as a as an idea yeah. um that, that's externalized and and you don't have to get all bent out of shape uh over the subject matter uh you know just mm -hmm. you know just just you know <laughs> just relax you know it's gonna be okay uh, but we, we need to start taking a look at these kinds of things and, and realizing that if we don't start staying, getting focused on what's really important, uh, then, hey, it's not going to work. We're not going to be here for very long. And that's something that we need to keep in mind. You are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. We are talking with, uh, our, we are talking with author as well as singer-songwriter uh, Janice Harper. Uh, I am correct in that, am I not? You are a singer-songwriter. Yeah. 
And we're going to feature yes. one of your songs here in oh. just a moment as we continue oh. talking with you here on Tell Me wow. Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. This is a program that uh, is here for you. It's here on Monday, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. We're here on Mondays at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. And the podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations uh, that uh, you can find us on the Internet. We have a YouTube channel where you can watch these interviews, listen to them too, uh, at YouTube. And the Tell Me Your Story, Richard Dugan is the website or the channel, if you will. So we hope that you will uh, do just that, that you will uh, participate by uh, being a part of the listening crew or the viewing crew. I will tell you as of this broadcast... And I'm really kind of excited about this. It's slow going on the YouTube channel as far as subscribers, but you know what? There are a lot more people listening there are than there are subscribing, and that's okay. That's just fine. I'm not looking to get high numbers in those areas. I know that the, the YouTube, they're looking at that. Okay, when you get 100,000 subscribers, you'll start making money. And it's like, well, I'm hoping to do that through different means before I ever reach 100,000 subscribers. I just hope 100,000 people are listening. We're at 53,000 listens and, and climbing uh, through the SoundCloud analytics. We have distributed what they call the RSS feed. I used to know the acronym for that, uh, how that's spelled out. But what it is, it's a code that you get from your podcasting site and you distribute it to all the other podcasting sites. And then your podcasts are automatically transmitted. 53,000 plus Hard to believe. And I will also tell you that in the last 12 months, we have exceeded half of that. In other words, in 12 months, we've had over 26,000 listens, whereas in the last three years prior to that, we had 26,000 listens. So a big, big growth spurt for us here on Tell Me Your Story. We're talking with uh, uh, Janice Harper. We're talking about uh, Jonas and the Mountain. But I want to talk a little bit after we listen to a piece of music here by you, uh, Janice Harper. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your music. And we're going to do that in sure. just a moment as we listen to Better This Way. And uh, that is one of your songs. And Absolutely, it's the title. It's the title cut of my recent album. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! And uh, so, folks, this is better this way. Janice Harper, stay tuned. By the way, it's been two years now. Since you broke us all apart By the way, I'm doing okay now Even though you broke my heart I've been to India And I've been to Oregon And I never thought I'd say I might even like it better this way Getting used to being alone now not much different from before Twenty years is such a long time To finally close the door So I went to India And I went 
are gone And I never thought I'd see That I might even like it better this way Never thought I'd ever feel whole again Still not sure if I'm even there But I'm trying to let myself grow again Just trying to breathe the air I've been to India and I've been to Oregon And I never thought I'd see Someday when the wounds have healed And you can finally say You understand what I feel And it's a different world And I know what's real We can look at each other and say Maybe it's better this way Oregon, and I never thought I'd see. I might even like it better this way. Never thought I'd ever feel whole again. Still not sure if I'm even there. But I'm trying to let myself grow again. Just trying to breathe the air. In two years, I've been to hell and back. Drunk myself.
Janice Harper here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank Janice for joining us here uh, on this special program. Uh, beautiful, beautiful music. We're going to hear another song from you shortly. Uh, but uh, you and I uh, now, and I, I, a year ago, I couldn't say this, uh, but you and I um, are songwriters. Now, yeah. I've, I've only written one song, but still, that makes me a songwriter. It's on my YouTube sure channel. Does. Um, that is a, that's, that sounds to me like a really personal song. Can you give us, uh, the, the background, the backstory, if you will, of, of, uh, Better This Way? Yeah, well, it's, it's really simply a divorce song. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I mean, that's, that's what else can I say? I wrote it when I was in India, actually, and I debuted it at a open mic in India, um, yeah, it's, it's a song about about a, a divorce, but it can be any kind of split up. Um, doesn't have to be a divorce, divorce. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. What else can <laughs> I say about that? Um, hmm, it's not a bitter. It's not a bitter song. <laughs> it um, is it? It sounds like you recognize the if i can put it this way the damage done hmm. but you also recognize that through the line it's better this way that this this was just part of the path and i can kind of, and i can relate to that because of my first divorce and mm-hmm. the challenges that I went through then and that I wouldn't go back and change anything only because if I had, if I could, you and I wouldn't be here talking today. Mm-hmm. I yeah, wouldn't be the person sure. I am today. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's, it's also, there's in the chorus, um, it's also about letting go of, of all the craft and all of the stories and who did what in order to find some peace. <laughs> you know, maybe someday when the wounds have healed, you can finally say, you understand what I feel. And it's a different world and we know what's real. Um, that isn't the, the part that I wanted to quote. <laughs> we can look at each other and say, um, there's a line about finding peace. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. And that's important um, in in that we need to somewhere along the way we need to find that peace no matter how how challenging or even to use the word traumatic it was past tense. There this seems like and and again we can't rush anybody. You know, you will get there when you get there. That's kind of like what I told my brother we were at a family reunion, we were out in the desert talking uh and uh uh, he says, I was sharing with him my philosophy and things that I'd learned and so forth. And I was 33 at the time. And he says, well, Richard, it's about time you got it. And I says, well, Mike, actually, it's not. It's actually when you get it. Okay. Yeah. And it's not about yeah. getting it at a particular time. It's just you get it when you get it. Yeah. And it and it's something, again, we spoke before of, of the personal as opposed to the the objective external um it becomes something that 
that is what you do. The other person can't do it. It really doesn't have anything to do with the other person. Yeah. Um, it, it hasn't, yeah, it doesn't have to do with anything that's been done to you. It's, it's just, it's something that you do. Um, and that's a hard one. That's a hard one for people too, also, because, yeah. uh, because we don't always <laughs> want to take responsibility for what we've created. Someone was actually saying to me just today, prior to this interview, they said, you know, well, Richard, you know, it's your movie. You wrote the script, you know. I mean, that's the way they put it. And and, yeah. and so this is this is all yours, you know. And they weren't being judgmental. Uh, they were being genuine. And they were saying, hey, th- that that's just what it is. This is yours, yeah. your movie, you know. What do you think about that? I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. I absolutely could not agree more with that statement because um, I can look back at certain instances in my life and I can see, I can see exactly the moment that I made the choice which is what this program is all about, that propelled me down this particular path and then down that path and then this way and then this way and so forth. Uh, And I think that's something, too, that people also, and I'm wondering how you share that uh, that teaching, if you will, with people when it comes to, um, I'll tell you what, a, a great line that I heard in a personal growth program that I went through it was an outgrowth of Est back in the uh, 80s, early 80s. Oh, it was yeah. called, called yeah. Life Spring. Life Spring. Yeah. Are you familiar? I remember that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were sitting around, and um, of course, the first night, we're all kind of grumbling, you know. It's three nights, like Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and they keep you there late into the next morning. Uh, then all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And uh, Wednesday night, you know, you know growing around, I don't really want to be here. I don't know. And the facilitator says, yeah, I, I hear the grumbling. I, I know that uh, some of you feel like you just don't want to be here. You're uncomfortable. This is not what you thought it would be, blah, blah, blah. But let me enlighten you. If you didn't want to be here, you wouldn't be. By virtue of the fact that you are here says that you wanted to be here. And... I love what someone elucidated on this program some time ago about choices. And, of course, you hear the phrase, you are where you are because of all of the choices that you've made in the past. You will be where you will be because of all the choices you'll make between now and that time. And this person elucidated and said, well, let's try one more. All of the choices that you will make today are based upon your perception of what you think your future will be. Can you talk to us about that? Hmm. What are your thoughts? So, going back to my book. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and, and the book is really autobiographical, so when I talk about the characters, I'm, in a way, talking about myself. Um the character Anamika, one of her first teachings is about um, how your life is, is like a story um, or 
like a book you're writing or a movie you're watching um, or a play that you're in and um, and interpreting it is is a key toward understanding if you can look at your life as a as a story um, and look at for example the major themes um, repeating symbols and metaphors what do you see that keeps happening again and again what's recurring in your life um, what's what are the three major themes if you can interpret it as you would a novel say a, like a literary analysis then that's one way of uh, getting another perspective on on your life that you are writing <laughs> and that that happens in this book too at one point we find out kind of that Jonas is writing the novel um, and what's going on in the novel then is it it's just almost disrupting the reading of it to show that it's just a novel so on that same level that is what I'm talking about and what Anamika talks about um, is disrupting the immersion of of you into the story of your life um, and getting caught up in all of the drama and all of the thises and the thats and and not being able to see out of it um, and being so immersed in it. But if you begin to look at it as a story um, and be able to see the patterns and the themes and the repeating symbols and the characters, um, then you you can take a step out of it into a different kind of um, a different reality, and perhaps one that's more of a capital R um, real reality. Someone said to me also, uh, become the observer. Yeah, so the, that's that's a common yeah that's a, that's a, a common thing. The witness and Buddhism and yeah, but I'm not so much talking about witnessing. Um, taking yourself out so that you can see, um, like watch your thoughts or watch events. Mm -hmm. um, I'm speaking more of, of the whole, of your entire life. Like if you were to look at your life now and go, okay, what, what are the major themes here? <laughs> um, and what, what, what do I see happening again and again? And what, what are the important symbols? And Anamika takes it further and says that um, everything in your life is symbolic um yeah that mm. you 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 imbue those the symbols with meaning and then we're talking about perception again um but on another level there's there's really nothing else out there it's 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 um it's what you what you're what you're needing to go through and learn right um there, it's, it's coming, whatever is there is coming up just for you. <laughs> hmm. Now, in your first song that we heard, uh, Better This Way, you, of course, in the chorus line, talked about uh, going to uh, India and Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I find the, the comparisons between the two places uh, rather interesting because obviously they're two places that you've been. <laughs> what was it? Uh, what was it that drew you, and when uh, were you drawn to India? Ah, uh, so I ever since I was a kid, I I've been drawn to India, and I was in love with India. 
from the time I was a a teenager on, and and I that's kind of why I, I that is why I was drawn to Eastern philosophy and spirituality. Um, yeah, there was it was a, a very big draw, and so I read Indian novels and every, everything about India's culture. And, um, but even though I did a lot of traveling when I was the younger, young adult, um, late teen, and went all sorts of places, I never made it to India. Like there was always an obstacle there. Like I lived in Australia for a while, and it was always okay. I'm going to get to India, and and then it wouldn't happen. So this this went on for a while, and then I never went to India, and I had a family and blah blah career, blah blah. Um, and it wasn't until that divorce that the Better This Way song describes that would that created an opening. All you know, the everything shattered. The life fell apart, and then through that, through that breakdown, um, there was there was uh, some light created. There was this opening, and 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 I got through the divorce by planning a trip to India. <laughs> wow! And that's when I went when I went there for the first time. Yeah, yeah, getting all the the guidebooks because at that time there were guidebooks um, rather than just online. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, and so that was that was a way of um, of becoming myself again, really. And that's and then India gave me a lot. Um, in that trip, I ended up starting a, a school for uh, an English school for orphans in South India, and and um, and then later on, I ended up um, publishing an anthology of writers of women writers traveling in India called Emails from India: Women Write Home. Um, so India, and then I was there uh, releasing the book at a festival, uh, literary festival in India. So, so it gave me a lot, and it had a lot to do with the new, the new life, mm-hmm. um, the new person that I became um, on my own, uh, away out of, outside of the structure of, of the marriage. Yeah, and Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. <laughs> what do you say? Do you say Oregon or Oregon? I just say Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. Oregon. I, I, yeah, I, I, I say don't Oregon. Get fancy. Yeah. I don't get fancy in my pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> I say Oregon too, but in the song it's uh it's Oregon it's, uh, It has a better there. rhyme to the uh, rest of the words, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So that really was another as again, another um divorcey thing because it's both it's in the song India and Oregon and yeah. um going to Oregon was um I had a friend there and it was just a way that I could escape what was going on there. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it was another place to go, but it was really India that, that, um, helped shape me and something that's, so that's something that I always knew and felt ever since, ever since I was really young. And mm-hmm. then now look at this. Now I have a novel out that's set in India. <laughs> and incidentally, if I can, here's a cover up, um, the mountain, <laughs> On, oh. on the novel is the holy mountain of Arunachala. Um, it's an artistic rendering of it. And, and that's, um, that's where Ramana Maharshi um, uh, lived. In, the, um, yeah, the mountain well is an actual it. place, but that's a rendering thereof. Yeah, but it's, it's very, very cool. identifiable. Yeah. You know, it's got this, this shape. You can't so miss people it. who, yeah. yeah, people think of it. Tiruvannamalai, where the mountain is, some people think of it as the center of the world, and and people it attracts seekers and sages from from all over the world, and so whenever 
somebody sees the shape, they go, oh, wow. That's the holy mountain of Aranachal. That's very cool. Yeah. We're going to listen. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just wanted to to summarize and say, so I think that answered your question regarding India and Oregon um, in the song, right? Good comparison. Good comparison. (laughs) We're going to listen to another one of your songs uh, off of your Hmm. album. Uh, This one is called Strawberry Wine. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about that song before we hear it? Oh, I wrote this... uh, Actually, decades ago, this this album is like a retrospective mm-hmm. of my um, career. So this is it's kind of a very seventies sounding folk festy, dancey, happy, hippie, round of fire sort of um, song. So if if you're you know in shall I say our age group or just <laughs> 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 um, I don't know I don't know how old you are, but but if you yeah. Uh, it's it, it's it's almost nostalgic, but then it it's you know it's just a happy song, and it's yeah it's that's all I'm going to say about that. And I wrote it when I was quite young. I'm not going to tell you how young. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to take a listen to it nonetheless. And this is Strawberry Wine. We are talking with Janice Harper. This is Tell Me Your Story: New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. This is Strawberry Wine. Over there, sun is shining. I can see the days unwinding. Peacefully, perfect timing, oh, so fine. And over me, trees leaning. All around, the leaves are reaching. And I know everything I see is mine. Yeah, it tastes like wine. Tastes like strawberry wine Oh, it's so fine Over there, some fire glowing I can hear the people singing And they're happy, oh, so happy to be alive And we're smiling at each other All the sisters and our brothers And we're happy, oh so happy Drinking wine We taste like wine Yeah, we taste like wine We taste like strawberry wine Oh, it's so fine Smiling sunshine through the trees Breathing sweet wind upon my open face And I'll lay by you in the firelight I'll hold you when the sun is bright And I'll know you when I find you Cause you'll see You taste like wine I oh, yeah, you taste like wine You taste like Tastes like wine. Oh, you taste like wine. You taste like strawberry wine. 
Janice Harper, my guest here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are uh, looking at not only the uh, music that uh, she has created over the years, the many years, we aren't going to ask how many, that would be rude of me to do, uh, but uh, she's also an author. Now, uh, as far as being an author, is this, uh, what number does uh, Janice in the Mount, uh, Janice, uh, Jonas, what number does Jonas in the Mountain come up on your uh, collection of, uh, of authored uh, uh, works? Uh-huh. Jonas and Janice, these sound an awful lot alike. Yes, they do. I, <laughs> I, I, there's a connection there, but I can't quite make it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it didn't even occur to me. I just really liked the name Jonas. And it, afterwards, it was like, oh, yeah, gee, just couple of letters different. There are no accidents, Janice. There are no accidents. There are no accidents. (laughs) No, indeed. Um, This is my third title, but it's my first novel, and it's the first work that is entirely mine. The other two were anthologies Mm. um, that I conceived and edited and contributed to, but I gathered other I gathered submissions and selected, and, um, and yeah, the first the first title, um, published in 2007 by Anvil Press, it's called Body Breakdown, Tales of Illness and Recovery. Ah. Yeah, and I had been through a major body breakdown and, um, and really wished I had a book where I could read about other people's stories, mainly about being um, in hospital and part of the medical system and um, feeling very vulnerable um, and confronting mortality and all that kind of stuff. So, so I, I put this book in the world. Yeah. And then a few years later, there's uh, my second title, another anthology called Emails from India, Women Write Home. Um, and when I, when I was in India, one of the, the times that I visited, I've been there six times now, um, I noticed that women in India seem to have a kind of special relationship. I don't know. So I, I wanted to, to pursue that. And so I... Um, I created this anthology, again, um, put out a call for submissions and selected stories from, um, from women, uh, Western women, traveling in India. Um, and it doesn't have to be on their own or some with, I, I have six stories in there about traveling with my son. I took him out of grade 11 and, and brought him to India for three months. So um, some of my stories are about traveling with my son. Yeah, so there is that book. And then there is this. And I also, I'm a writer. I've published in um, other anthologies and literary journals and, and that kind of stuff. But this, this is my, um, my third title that has my name on the binding um, and is a, is a novel. <laughs> we encourage, Philosophical novel. Absolutely. We encourage people to go to your website. And the website just happens to be, surprise, surprise, JaniceHarper.ca. <laughs> And that's J-A-N-I-S-H-A-R-P-E-R, Janice Harper, dot C-A for Canada, the land of the very pleasant, accommodating people, as they say. I don't know if that's true. Y'all could be, uh, you know, you could be the ugly Canadians as we are the ugly Americans to the French. (laughs) 
Uh, but we encourage you to go to her website. We'll be linked to your website as well, so that people can find out more about you and the work and the music, the 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 the, the novel, as well as the two other works and other things that you're up to. And we're going to find out more about that mm-hmm. as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we encourage you to stay with us. Because we've got a lot more coming, including another song by Janice uh, that we'll feature here. <clears throat> and I have a feeling it has to do with a day uh, that is only uh, really associated with Canada, at least in, the, in this context. Although we may have something along those lines here in this country. We'll find out about that. But I first want to ask you about your personal philosophy. What it was that you were raised with and how that has expanded, or maybe it's, it hasn't shifted out of that. I mean, myself, born and raised Roman Catholic. I consider myself today to be a metaphysician. So there you go. So tell us a little bit about mm. uh, your upbringing philosophically and where you are today. No, I'm, I'm kind of curious about yours. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll do that on another show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ah. I grew up without any kind of organized religion imposed upon me. And I really appreciated that. So my mother, I guess, was sort of a, uh, she called herself Protestant, I think, but uh, we very rarely went to church. And um, and it was just sort of a, kind of a very loving, lovingly generic Christianity, I guess you'd say. But, but it wasn't anything that I, I had no duties to fulfill or, or any, any, um, yeah, any, uh, there, there was no organizational structure there, which was, um, which is great. So I guess it, it freed me to, to be interested in all sorts of other stuff. And I think I mentioned I was 14 and a practicing nature and Shoshu Buddhist. And that really freaked my mother out, actually. <laughs> uh, she thought it was in the days of cults um, and where cult leaders, um, you know, people drank Kool-Aid and, and so, yeah, so she was, um, she was freaked out because suddenly here I was, um, people were bringing in this butsudon, the shrine into my, into my bedroom and she could hear me chanting for, uh, an hour or so a day. And, and yeah, that caused, um, that caused a rift actually in our relationship. But yeah, so yeah, regarding to your question, uh, it was really wonderful having that kind of, um, open field in which to explore, because um, cause I always knew, I always knew that I needed to do that, and uh, began at a very young age. And, yeah. Well, you know, it, it, what's interesting is when an individual is usually given that kind of freedom, uh, they they do explore. I mean, mm. that is part of what of why we send our children to school is to broaden their horizons, to expand their awareness and their imagination, for that matter, and their creativity. I mean, you know, and it's like, yeah, that all, that, that, absolutely, Richard, that applies when you're sending kids to school, but it does not apply when it comes to religion. I'm sorry. It does not apply. And, and that's the attitude that I have run into over the years, uh, that there's only one way. And, and it made no sense to me because 
I, I, I go down this laundry list of things. Okay, there's uh, all kinds of different foods and drink and, and experiences, educational, <laughs> uh, job opportunities, uh, relationships that I could have with different people, da-da-da-da-da. But there's only one way to God. And it's like, that makes no sense. It makes absolutely mm. no sense. Now, is there only one God? I don't know. I have a, a, a good friend who quite often um, will, will quote this phrase, thank the gods, plural. <laughs> and that's, that's, how she, that's what she says. I have no doubt that she, she, I have no doubt that she does believe there's, th- that there are multiple gods, just like, you know, the, the Greeks and the Romans had multiple gods. Uh, but each one, and even in Hinduism, you, I, I can't even remember the number of, of, of godlike um, um, individuals, if you will, or entities or names. Uh, and each one has a, a different, shall we say, task. You know, there's not one god yeah, that does okay. it all, you know. But there kind of is in, in Hinduism, and there's yeah, there's but, the, there's three. There's yeah, there's a three, and then there's really one. Yeah, but yeah, then there's a then there's a pantheon as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. It, yeah, it's fascinating. For, it's fascinating to me. It really is. I'm curious as to what kind of uh, 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 philosophies you were exposed to, to when you were in India. Was it just Hinduism? Uh, were you exposed to uh, Muslims? Because obviously. Obviously, that was the big battle back in the for- late 40s, early 50s, mm. was the battle between the Hindus and the Muslims and Gandhi and everything. Mm. And I do have to tell you that I remember seeing the movie, and I have to accept the fact that this was supposedly a true story, the movie of Gandhi, uh, where uh, he was uh, laying on, uh, on his uh, cot, whatever, outside, and he wasn't eating because people were fighting, and he wouldn't start eating until they stopped. And these two men came up, and they were madder than heck at each other, and one was a Hindu, and one was a Muslim. And uh, each of them had killed the other's son. And Gandhi came up with what was the most brilliant solution that I have ever heard. He told the Hindu father, you find a Muslim, uh, let me see if I remember this correctly, a, a Muslim child, and you raise him as a Muslim. And to the Muslim father, he said, you find a Hindu child who has, is an orphan mm. and you raise him as a Hindu. I don't know that they, it almost looked as though they walked off in disgust like, no, you're an idiot. You're crazy. There's no way I'm going to do that. Mm. And who knows? Maybe they did. Uh, but until mm. we walk a mile, as they say, in, uh, in someone else's shoes, how are we going to know what's happening with them? Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful story, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like the, not like the problem connected to that in India has gone away either. No, um, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, personally, it, it was more of a socio-cultural thing for me when I I'd, I'd meet Muslims and Hindus and Sikhs, and it was just, um, yeah, it wasn't so much of being introduced to philosophy or, right. or religion. It was just more of life their life lifestyles have slight differences in lifestyles and you know like in and eating and and culture and um yeah which is just part of the beauty of, of india because it, it's so it, yeah there's so much going on there yeah was there a particular um, yeah, individual that you were going there to see or were you just going there to see india and let the universe guide you the first time 
divorced I was, um, just post post divorce. Yeah, I I just knew that that I I could finally um, fulfill my my unrequited love <laughs> for India by going there. Um, and I had really had no idea. Yeah. I had looked in guidebooks and kind of sketched out where I wanted to go. And I decided that South India, which was the, supposed to be more um, uh, a better place for women to travel than North India. I don't know. Yeah. So I mm. just, I decided to stick to South India so much. Um, yeah. I left it very open. Um, one of the things that I ended up doing was I did end up, I, I had planned this going to um, Sai Baba's ashram. Remember Sai Baba? He's dressed in the orange robe mm-hmm. and has an ash, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, afro kind mm-hmm. of hair. Yeah. Um, and that was interesting because um, he died not that long after. So yeah. that was an experience being I lived in a dorm and I really didn't know all that much about him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't feel, I never really felt a, a, a a very strong connection to him. So mm-hmm. I was kind of wrestling with that when I was there and I was living, staying in a dorm with, with, um, with women who were all devotees and assumed that I was as well. Um, so that, that was an interesting experience. Now, and when I brought my son with me out of grade 11, a few years, like the next year, mm-hmm. um, we went to Sai Baba's ashram as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause at that point I had a, a school, a little school, um, called the Janice Harper English Medium School <laughs> in the neighboring town. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a story about that in my emails from India book, um, in a story called Sai Baba Land. <laughs> yeah. Sai Baba Land, I like that. Yeah. What uh, what rides did he have? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the levitation ride? I, I'm, I, 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 I say that, uh, you know, with a bit of facetiousness, but I have a great deal of respect. I, I keep getting drawn back to the, the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Uh, who I started out with um, in, at the age of 17 with Autobiography ah. of a Yogi. Uh, yeah, and love that, that book. Yeah, yeah, that is my metaphysical primer. And I keep getting drawn uh-huh. back to that, to that tree because I have, I have uh, um, come to that tree through different, different uh, branches. One is the Self-Inquiry Life Fellowship, of which we have a monastery here in Montecito. And I have visited uh-huh. with and interviewed on this program uh, Swami Vidya Dishananda. And that took me 15 yeah. minutes to learn how to say correctly. Uh, <laughs> and then I also was able to meet from another branch of the tree, uh, Swami Kriyananda, who was, he has since passed, was the last remaining living disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. And he yes. started, he uh, began uh, an, a village in Northern California called Ananda Village. It's north of Nevada mm. City, and I've been there. And it's a beautiful wow. place. His shrine is... Mm. Absolutely incredible. They plant tulips mm-hmm. every spring, or I guess you I, maybe they plant them. Um, uh, actually, we were there in the in, in December, so they were planting them in the winter, uh, and then, then mm-hmm. in the spring when they come up, you know, it's like you've got to make a trip. You know, that's what they tell you. You've got to come back when they're in bloom because it's spectacular colors and it's just mm-hmm. fabulous. But uh, I, I'm always brought back. Is is that some? Is that mm-hmm. a? Is that India? Obviously, mm-hmm. and. That aspect obviously is a is a draw for you. There's something in your past lives or in your DNA or what have you that draws you to uh, India and mm. and this place. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people when they feel 
when they talk about feeling drawn to India, they they speak of past lives and and it just feels like something really um, much bigger than than they than they are. Um, but regarding Paramahansa Yogananda, who I quote in my in my novel mm-hmm. begins a, a section um, and self inquiry as taught by Ramana Maharshi, the great sage um, and spiritual teacher who mm-hmm. lived at Mount Arunachala. Um, that is really um, forms the, the non-dualist strand that appears in my book because the guru, the guru D, who um, Jonas falls in love with, like I, like I did, mm-hmm. um, who is, happened to be an American guy, um, but he was in the lineage with Ramana Maharshi. So, so Ramana um, was, is his guru and Ramana's guru is the mountain <laughs> of mm. Arunachala. Um, yeah. So, so, so all of those beautiful teachers you mentioned are, are close to my heart as well and, and are in, are in the novel in, in, in some subtle ways. Yeah. But well, certainly in terms of philosophy, in terms of, of, um, of the non-dualist um, tradition and, and, and philosophy. Well, I will tell you all, that I have struggled with the whole dualist concept um, and I finally was able to uh, bring it to uh, a rest, so to speak, in my own mind, uh, because um, I always found it frustrating that the ancient wisdom teachings uh, teach us um, that we come from the one and we're going back to the one. So why in the Sam Hill are we here in this dualistic world, <laughs> you know? And I finally was able to make peace with it from this standpoint. That the reality, from my perspective, this is just for me, and I always preface it by saying that when I say these things, this is only for me, okay? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, that there is no dualism. Things just are the way they are. And I use the examples of the macrocosmic world, the universe, out there, as we say, or the microcosmic universe on the subatomic level in here, okay? And we will sit there and we'll go ooh and ah over all of these different things that are happening at both levels and and just go, wow, oh, there's that, cool, oh, that is really, wow, ooh, ah, you know, like when we see fireworks, <laughs> right? But when it comes to this place where you and I live at this level, there's no ooh and ah, there's ow and oh, you know? And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, how is it different from out there or in there to in here, here to here? How is that different? It's not. Ergo, it just is. And it's epitomized by, and I, I talk about this all the time, uh, Janice, the Chinese uh, story of the farmer and his son and the neighbor who comes over every day to kind of see how things are going. How was your day? How was your, you know? And uh, he basically tells him, well, my day was good, you know? Um, oh, my day? Well, let's see. Let me tell you what happened today. Uh, what happened today was... 
that uh, my son was um, uh, working with one of the horses and the horse ran off. <gasps> Neighbor says, oh, that's bad. To which the farmer says, well, who's to say what's good or bad? Next day, what's, how's things going today? Well, my son went off to find the horse and he actually found a whole herd. And now we have like 15 or 20 horses. <gasps> well, that's good. To which the farmer says, well, who's to say whether that's good or bad? Now, this story goes on. I won't belabor the point. But that's, that's where I finally came to the realization. There is nothing that's either good nor bad. It just is. It just is. Mm -hmm. And um, it's our choice as to how we choose to act, not react, but act in accordance with those various events and I don't believe in coincidence either. I believe in coincidences. Things that coincide, like our paths here today on this program, have coincided. And there are no accidents in that regard. There are wrecks. I've been involved in a couple. <laughs> what are your thoughts in that regard? Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be, there's got to be something there. Yeah, well, in... In Jonas in the Mountain, um, both the Guru D, the Eastern mystic, and Anamika, the Western psychic, would both say that the external is a reflection of the internal. Um, yeah, so then mm -hmm. it, it doesn't even... Um, it's not even a matter of, of making choices of how to respond or react to something which of course is not is neither good nor bad in itself it, it just is as my man van morrison says in a one of my favorite songs it just is it just is it just is uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. yeah but but the very appearance of it in your life um has something to do with you because whatever you see is there for you it, another way of saying that is that you have expressed that just as you have expressed the shape of your hands or what clothes you're wearing today you can see everything that's outside of you as an expression as well mm -hmm. um, we're back to that interpreting life thing so yeah so then it, it it's not a it's not like there, there's any distance between what's out there and what's in here. So there's not a, a matter of, of using the will to choose how to, how to behave towards something or how to see it as good or bad. Yeah. Um, but, but just the fact that it exists and that you are seeing it, um, there's a message there for you. It, it, it is you. Yeah. It, is, it is you externalized. Um, yeah. Well, it is something that uh, certainly gives one pause to ponder. And uh, I think that that's something that we all need to do from time to time. We need to ponder these things. Uh, you know, and a lot of times uh, we encourage people, well, not a lot of times, all the time here on this program. We are constantly mm. encouraging people to go within, to listen to that still small mm. voice. What about you and your, uh, mm. I like to put it this way, uh, your inner life? my that's the sum of my life that's that's my life it's 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 
inner. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. One could, you know, um, again, if one doesn't see what's out there as having an objective existence or reality, then um, then it, it what's out there is what's in here. <laughs> So it's it's all inner life. There isn't there isn't any division between inner and outer because um, the outer is a reflection of of the inner. Yeah. Does that make sense? It of? does. It does, and that's what a lot of uh, our 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 guests will say is that uh, that very that very phrasing, if you will. Uh, what is. Um, uh, as it as it is above, so it is below, mm, or as it is yes. on the outside, so it is on the inside, and yes, vice versa. As, yeah, as is within, so without. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And but unfortunately, we forget that. Uh, we forget it a lot, you know, and 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 we need to work to try to remember. We really do. But that, yeah. You know. But that that can that can be a fun and beautiful thing too. Getting lost in that as well for. For a while, as long as you do, as long as you can sort of bring it back to yourself and go, oh, okay, wow, poof. <laughs> but, but of course, I mean, that's, that's what um, appearances are really all about for us to engage with and, and learn about ourselves through and dialogue with. I'm also an expressive arts therapist or became one later in life. And something that we do is if there is... Um, I'm working with a client who who has um, has something they need to work through, some pain or trauma. We first of all see how it how it feels and where it exists right now in their body, for example, mm-hmm. and then bring it into the arts where it can so exteriorize it, where it can be um, engaged with, and you can create a dialogue with it. And from there, there is this beautiful. Um, alchemy that occurs with, between. So it's kind of a paradox because yeah, it is. on the one hand, yeah, of course, everything true is a paradox <laughs> when you get down to the bones of it. Oh, thank really. you. Um, <laughs> Thanks a lot. I need clear answers and I need them now. It's the old, I need, I want patience and I want it now. Part of, part of the, 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 um, the problem is is just in the languaging, really, yeah. because because words are caught up in time, and so when you're when we're talking about this kind of stuff, it's it's really it really has nothing to do with time. It's it's a, it's timeless. So when we speak, it's already kind of creating a division, which um, which ends up kind of turning in on itself and becoming a paradox. Um, but yeah, the the um, uh, so I just want to say that the appearance is. is is a beautiful, wonderful, juicy thing to 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 um, to partake in. Um, yeah, it's not something that necessarily, although you know, there are some traditions that would say otherwise. Um, that we would need all the time to. Uh, this, this is at the crux of my novel again. So there is the non-dualist who would say, um, "Yes, um, don't pay attention to appearance and yeah. stay within." And because that's all illusion, Maya. Yeah. Um, and then you know, and then there's the other, you know, the other the other way, uh, more of a metaphysical approach, which would say, yeah, do it, sure, do it, and and know that this is you doing it, 
and it's something there are messages there for you this is for your own learning and growth and and um yeah and developing into all of yourself and and discovering your own knowledge within yeah yeah it's uh it, it is to me very extraordinary from that standpoint uh that we are um in the situations that we find ourselves in uh, because we are the ones that put it there. It's like I mentioned earlier in the program. Uh, someone said to me today, you, uh, it's your movie. You wrote the script. You wrote the screenplay. It's all up to you. And I found it so fascinating when I was uh, working for a Christian radio station here in Phoenix, or in Phoenix, Arizona, where I was born and raised, um, where they... <laughs> If it was something that was bad that happened to you, kind of like Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. Or if it was good, if it was something fantastic, God gets the credit. Well, wait a minute. So are you a puppet on a string being manipulated by forces you don't understand? Have you ever had to deal with that particular challenge of who's in charge, you or God or the universe? And again, acknowledging that there's only a certain element of our lives that we we actually can control you know we can kind of agree with that but what about you and your perspective on that hmm are you talking about control or, or... talking about control uh... talking about responsibility for one's life as opposed to um, I was born into this world, and as a fact, just by virtue of the fact that I was born into this world, and again, being raised Roman Catholic, I was born with original sin. I didn't do anything wrong, okay? I didn't touch the hot stove. I didn't knock over mama's expensive vase or spill the milk or, or cut the dog's tail or whatever. I was just born, and now I'm a sinner. And it's like you entered, it's like you entered a room. She's guilty. Your Honor, she's because she walked in the room, she's guilty. I, I, it, it makes no sense to me. So what about that in terms of your philosophy and personal responsibility for your life and who you are and where you are and why you are? Hmm. Um, I was just thinking of the whole original sin thing, and that has to do with um, being embodied, the, the body being so... The, the whole, the beautiful, the, the sacred um, self being embodied into the flesh. Um, yeah, that has nothing to do with with what I'm thinking about or, or try to answer your question is is just very briefly, I'm responsible for everything <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Um, I've always I've always felt that um, that in some way I was creating my reality mm -hmm. <laughs> in every imaginable way, even, um, yeah, even yeah. when it came to, again, what I was seeing around. So, so I take ultimately all, all ultimate responsibility, um, for sure. There is. Yeah. And that's, that is like in the better this way song. Um, you know, there is okay. So it looks like there's bad stuff happening to you, but, um, nobody out there can fix that um, if there is indeed even anyone out there. <laughs> um, it's, uh, Interesting. It's, it's you. 
Uh-huh. It's just you. And that, that's another thing as well that, um, that Anamika in my novel, um, one could call her a metaphysical solipsist, really, in terms of philosophy, because she ends up saying, well, there's, there's nothing out there. It's, it's just you. It's mm. just you. Everything is just you. So, um, and I, I'm aligned with that as well. One, I guess I could say. Yeah. What what about uh, what about death? I had Bernie Siegel mm. on this program, and he shared with us about the 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 death of his wife a, a year or so ago, a few years back. And uh, we chatted along for a while, and then I came back with, uh, "Oh yeah, I uh, uh, yeah I I know what you're talking about. You know, I really haven't experienced this, that, or the other thing as far as." The transitioning. I use the word transitioning. And he got all over my case about it. He says, what do you mean transit? What's the matter? Why can't you use the word death? That's what happens when people die. They die. They don't transition. And I got his point. I really got his point. Because I, I was using transitioning because death and dying have such negative connotations energetically. And Aww. so I thought I'd use something else. And mm-hmm. he says, no, 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 they died. And I said, okay, yeah. all right, I get yeah. you, Bernie. I, and you know what? It's, a, it's absolutely a valid point. Uh, so I'm what with are you, Bernie there. Uh, what's that? Yeah. I'm with Bernie there. Okay. Yeah. And there's, whole, you know, there's so many euphemisms for death, like passing away, pass, yeah. passing um, yeah, I I am in love with death. I I love death. Um, I have I've written uh, pieces about death, and uh, <clears throat> that have been published in in various places, literary journals about um, how it's death that's really the meaning of life. <laughs> mm. um, I like that. Yeah, like mm. that. death is the meaning of life. Yeah, it's to really. No death. It's not to know life. <laughs> it's to know death and death. Like when you think of death, like what what comes up? <laughs> is it even possible? Um, I think the closer we are, and this is what I mean when I say that I love death, um, is that death is the bigger picture. It is what we we are all. Um, leaning into what we all really are wanting to to know. Um, and if we get a whiff of it, and we often do when someone close to us dies, um, and for many there's a, a long grieving, a grieving process and, and all of the other stuff that comes up, which has this um, tendency to put one right sort of on the edge, you know, when you're going through something. Mm. So death, death is a teacher in so many ways. And I don't mean that, that it's a teacher because, oh, it shows us our life is limited. So, you know, we should appreciate what we got. No, <laughs> I mean that just the presence of death in our lives is what is not only what makes us alive. Mm-hmm. Um, death gives us life because without death, there is, you know, there is no impermanence. And that's what life is. It's a fleeting um, transitoriness, the transience, um, and that beauty there, but but that the presence of death um, in in that it is the unknowable, the great unknown. Mm. Um, that if we can sit with that and be in that, then that has the ability to 
to open us right up into one could say that enlightenment is is a falling into death or uh, falling into the love of death or understanding death. I could go on and on about death, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you it is a subject that this sounds kind of strange, but it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart because, uh, number one, if it's my time, I'm ready. Do I want to live another 40 years? I'm 61. And I feel like I want to outlive my great-grandmother who lived to be 100. I'd love to live beyond that and continue doing what it is that I'm doing. Um, but at the same time, if tomorrow's my day to go, I'm ready. Uh, and every time I hear of someone close to me or a famous person who dies, I wonder, the first thought that usually goes through my mind is, I wonder what they're experiencing, what's happening now. I will tell you that I have an idea because I went through a program, uh, a session, a, a conscious hypnosis, hypnosis mm. session called Life Between Lives. Yeah. yeah. You're familiar. It was, familiar. it was extraordinary. I have to tell you that I would love going mm. back to my last, just the one before this one, Lifetime, mm. uh, not only because of the life that I was living then, but because of the way I left, I mean, I, I went up to my mountain cabin up in the snow. I come out of the cabin one day. I get sit down in the chair. Now, why the twang comes into my voice when I tell the rest of this, I don't know. <laughs> I get sit down in the chair there and I tilt my hat back, put my feet up on the rail. And I say, man, it's been a good life. And I leave or die, Bernie, mm -hmm. to you. And I die. And mm -hmm. it was that simple and it was that easy. And mm. um, so uh, and then, of course, that life between lives experience, uh, what's going on after that life and before this one was astounding. I, I, I you know, when I read two or three of uh, <clears throat> Dr. Newton's books about the case studies mm. and yeah, then yeah. I, I got to meet with a, a local practitioner here in Santa Barbara mm. uh, who has right. been on this program a number of times, uh, Peter Wright. And um, it just to me, it was fascinating. It's just absolutely intriguing. And again, when I went through the, the, the uh, session, there was never any leading question. It was always, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you smelling, tasting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? What are you experiencing? Never, are you experiencing this or that? Or the, do you see this or that? or the, No. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he was very clear about that. He says, no, you're mm -hmm. going to be consciously aware of everything you're going through and I will facilitate, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to guide you beyond the questions that I will ask you. Mm -hmm. So it was really, really a fascinating, and if, if I made it up, so what? I've been even asked the question, uh, Janice, if there's anything after this life. And, and I have to tell them that I believe that there is because to believe otherwise is illogical because to me to me it doesn't make any sense that we're here and we're having all of these experiences and we're trying to learn and grow and raise our consciousness and then the lights are out however if it is just lights out we're never going to know okay so <laughs> i mean seriously right uh and then you throw in the simultaneity of time and hence the simultaneity of incarnations and in various lives. Oh. 
and then you have a whole other thing. So it ceases to become a, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would go so far as to say that I don't even believe, but I know. <laughs> um, and I, I will say that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Um, but for me, it's also not so much of an after because I do believe that, that it's only, um, this character here that, um, again, with our languaging, and the bodies that have something to a relationship with time and space and that in reality that really doesn't exist so in a sense um i have a kind of relationship that exists now with what you could call other lines mm -hmm. um and i also see them and so does anamika coincidentally coincidentally <laughs> <laughs> in my book as also as metaphorically aspects of your personality you know you've got different aspects of your personality some some might lie latent some might be developed later in life mm -hmm. some you might get really into like you started songwriting that's great so you have the songwriting person um so on another level in a level that is um outside of time um there are these personalities that you can look at yourself as a microcosm of these personalities or you can see your uh, your greater self as composed of these personalities or these outshoots so say when you're learning to be a you're starting to write songs Richard which is so cool um, there is another aspect of you so first of all you as Richard mm -hmm. in in your personality but also in another dimension <laughs> and the quantum physics will, will sort of fall into this too, but another dimension in another time, um, in another place, there is, um, there is a songwriter. <laughs> yeah. That is. Yeah. I, so I love how you've made it sound so simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple. It's so simple. No. And, and, and see, that's the beauty of it all is that, Sometimes we think as humans that we know, and we don't. We have a little glimpse. We have a little glimpse of the big, big picture. But there's always more to see, and there's always more to experience, and that's the fun of this life, I have to tell you. And it's only in the last year or two that I've really gotten to grasp that aspect of it to where I'm not getting, I'm not getting drawn into the reaction as i mentioned earlier we need to learn how to act in accordance with whatever's going on around us as opposed to react based mm -hmm. upon past programming if you will and mm -hmm. and i'm finding that i'm doing that i'm being more of the observer as well as the participant um mm -hmm. and also um realizing that you know I, and here's one of the biggest things for me i know that whatever the situation is, no matter how long it has gone on, and of course time is only in the mind of the human, it's all temporary. It's all temporary. There is nothing other than the energy that enlivens everything that is permanent. Everything that we know of in this mortal realm it's all temporary, you know. Mm. And yes, the sun will burn out one day in a couple of billion years or so. But that's according to man's time. 
the sun is already burned out and then reignited as another star. And, and this, this cycle just goes, and it's all, it's, it's everything's in motion. Everything's in change. Everything's changing. And it's really cool. Or, or everything in the appearance world is changing. In the, what some might say, the illusory world, the world of Maya. Yes, yes. The world of change. Yeah. Um, yes, whereas in the capital R reality, um, from a non-dualist perspective, there, yeah. there isn't change. There's just the, the one, the one bliss isn't even the right word. But yeah, I know. Words sometimes what? just... Yeah. There just there aren't words to describe what you're wanting to describe sometimes. It's just not possible. However, there are a couple, and they are Janice Harper. Janice Harper, the name. Uh, she's the woman that has been with us here on the program. Uh, she has written a fictional book. It's a metaphysical love story called Jonas and the Mountain, as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I'm so glad that you have stayed with us here throughout the program. You know, Janice, we're going to wrap the program up. We're going to end our program with the final piece that we have here uh, called Remembrance Day. So, uh, first of all, give us a real quick synopsis of the song Remembrance Day from your current album uh, of um, songs that uh, are sort of a compilation of, it sounds like, of your life of sorts, at least at this point, to this point. Well, it's a, it's a, um, a retrospective of my life as a performing singer-songwriter. So I've, I've selected songs from all sorts of parts of my life. Um, in terms of the writing, the mm-hmm. writing of the songs. Not, okay. yeah. So this, this was a song, actually, I, I was traveling in the States, um, again, several decades ago at quite a young age. Um, and I met a, um, in San Diego, I met a Vietnam vet. Um, and I learned about something called Vietnam syndrome. And I saw his life and he took me to a, a, how he was living his life and the kind of the, the pain that he was constantly in. And he took me to a a place where there are other vets who um, have were experiencing what was called Vietnam syndrome, which I think you know, is, of course, a form of PTSD. So I was moved by that, and this song came out of that. Um, it first of all was called the Vietnam syndrome, <laughs> and then I changed it to Remembrance Day, and I, I think it's applicable to um, to all kinds of um, all kinds of war, but more than that, to the, those who it remembers not only those not those who died, but those who returned, um, returned, damaged, returned with, it's about PTSD, really. Um, that's, yeah. And mm. this is an old song, but, um, yeah. Um, you've chosen the three songs on this program that I have music videos for actually, yes. that are on YouTube. Yeah. And I did that intentionally um, so that as ah. these songs play on the YouTube channel, people can watch the video. We're going to embed it into the program, uh, for our, uh, our viewers. Ooh. And I hope oh, that's, that's okay. Cool. I hope that's okay with yeah, you. Yeah, excellent, is. excellent. Yeah. But I just, I just want to say the rest of my songs are available on, you know, on Spotify. I'm, you know, wherever, wherever, iTunes, blah blah, anywhere Absolutely. online. Okay. And it's Thank Janice you. Harper. Janice Harper. And I have three final questions for. Don't you dare go away. I have three final <laughs> questions for you uh, that I ask all of my guests, uh, and uh, I'm going to ask those questions really quickly here. But I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to Tell Me Your Story here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We are also podcasting on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, where you'll also find Janice Harper's music. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, 
We're also on, uh, let's see, uh, iHeartRadio as well as Amazon Music. And, of course, as I mentioned, YouTube, where you will be able to listen to as well as see the music video, the three songs that we featured in uh, today's program. Uh, so with that, we also encourage you to support this work if you can do so financially. We would greatly appreciate it. Any amount is gratefully uh, uh, helpful and accepted and uh, uh, used to keep this program uh, moving forward. PayPal is our uh, middleman, and we're grateful for PayPal. And uh, when you go there to uh, send us a contribution, all you have to do is put in my email address to send, and it's richard at richarddugan.com. Very, very easy to do, richard at richarddugan.com. And please participate in the decade of perfect vision. That's right, the decade of perfect vision. We ask you to spend time during this 2020s, what's left of it anyway, we've got, uh, what, eight years or so, uh, to go within, to spend that time listening to that still, small voice and being in that quiet, peaceful, calm place, okay? All right, so now we go to those three final questions. And every time I get to this part of the program, I feel like I'm on a game show. Uh, I feel like I'm uh, Alex Trebek uh, on Jeopardy. Uh, and you have to answer these in the form of a question. No, you can answer them in any way you feel free to do so. The first of the three questions, who is Janice Harper? What? <laughs> uh, you tell me. <laughs> that's what. That's my answer. Okay, all right. I, I, I just assuming because it's a Jeopardy like thing that the answers have to be brief. I know they do not. Oh, oh, okay. What? So, so you want like? Uh, uh, you can uh, answer it in any bio? whatever way that you are led to answer the question. I never prompt the guest um, as far as that's concerned, other with than with the question, which is, of course, who is Janice Harper? Right. Well, because we've been speaking metaphysically and spiritually, and there's, uh, there's so many ways to answer that. Um, hmm. But in terms of maybe stuff about my life that listeners might be interested in, um, well, there, uh, I, I taught, you know, I'm a former adjunct English professor. I taught for about 20 years at college and university here in BC. Um, and then in later midlife, um, discovered expressive arts therapy is something that really aligned with my own metaphysics and spirituality and and became that and I've always been a writer and I've always been a performing singer-songwriter and an actor the stage actor primarily um yeah so I don't know I think it's a funny question to end the show with Richard <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you've been listening to the show, you probably, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you tell me. Well, I'll tell you I, what. It, I, don't, I don't know what level you're asking me on. Well, it's that's where your intuition comes in. Okay? But hmm. be that as it may, the second question is, what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Yeah. The thought of... World peace, Richard. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what is it that I hope to achieve through the work I'm doing now? I would like, um, I have a, I have a dear reader paragraph that I posted on my Amazon page, which is what I hope the reader will get from Jonas. And really, it's what I 
I hope to achieve, I guess, and that is to help to somehow, um, I don't even like to use the word help, but inspire others to find their own innate knowledge and vitality and ability to um, transform and heal themselves. Uh, I, I think that each one of us has everything we need um, and that we have vast knowledge reservoirs um, that, and if I could do something and do it in, in everything that I am and do in my life, it's to show people how they can get there, know themselves better. Um, and I don't mean just know who they are, like, <laughs> I mean, access whatever you need to, um, to, to, to feel fulfilled mm -hmm. and happy and whole and, and healthy and whatever. Yeah. And finally, this probably falls under the same category as we've been dealing with these last two questions. What is your <laughs> life's purpose? Oh, well, I just, just told you, Richard. <laughs> Very good. Well, um, I asked the questions just the same. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, let me, let me see if I can say it any better. Um, it's to help people access their own innate stores of immense creativity and vitality and knowledge, um, whatever you got, whatever you need within you mm -hmm. and how, how you can access that. Um, there's, a, there's some simple ways. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. And we've talked about some of them. Yeah. 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 Well, Janice Harper, I want to thank you so much for joining us, and I encourage people to go mm -hmm. to JaniceHarper.ca to find out more about you, the work that you're doing, as well as the other works that you have uh, produced, including the latest novel, Jonas and the Mountain, a metaphysical love story. You'll also find on her website, Body Breakdowns. We want you to learn about the tales of illness and recovery and then also another book in time which i think would be a lot of fun for folks to read emails from india women write home and we encourage you to find out more as well as uh, you'll be able to listen to some of her music not only on spotify but she even has a little player with her latest uh, uh, album releases uh, on uh, on her uh, uh, website which is again uh, JaniceHarper.ca. And Janice, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices <clears throat> and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol. Johnny came marching home 10 years ago today. We thank the Lord that he was home But Johnny just looked away Now he doesn't talk at all Says he's nothing more to say But he signed his name to sacrifice And gave it all away
Johnny was in school The teachers all they said This boy will go right to the top There's a lot inside his head Now he doesn't work at all Says he doesn't need the bread He'd rather take it from the ones Who filled his friend with lead Oh Johnny, where have you gone? Why aren't you here anymore? None of us know where you've been Just that people call it war How can you find your home When you've been in hell and returned? In your sleep I heard you say Lord, how many more have you burned? Some say Johnny can't handle life Some say he's a little bent But when he said, do you know death? No one knew what he meant They say, come on, it's easy for him The government's got them all set But society says it has no room For the Vietnam vet Oh, Johnny, where have you gone? Why aren't you here anymore? None of us know where you've been Just that people call it war Now you have no home Cause you've been in hell and returned In your sleep I heard you say Lord, how many more Johnny came crawling home Ten years ago today None of us could understand The price he had to pay Now he wants to kill himself Before he fades away We don't know the reason We just look another way